0: Failure. System failure. System failure. Stay. In there. stay. Michael. You stay in there, Jack. Whatever's going on. Look, I'm going after
1: my son. I'm going after my son, and nobody is going to stop me. Okay? Okay, that is my right. That is a father's right. There's another way to go out. Get about. in the damn shoot me, Michael. No, but I'll shoot your damn computer nothing is not what you think it
0: is anyway you don't understand man you don't have any idea hello everyone matt here and welcome to looking back at lost where each week i look at another episode of abc's lost to see how that episode fits into the series as a whole today i'll be covering episode 211 entitled the hunting party This is the 36th overall episode and there are 85 to go. I have to say it's uh, certainly nice being back uh, recording, looking back at Lost. Uh, It's been a crazy last couple of weeks, uh, especially uh, doing some odds and ends over at phgeek.com and uh, going to New York Comic Con with uh, the people from uh, from PH Geek. So a lot of fun there, but uh, it's great to uh, to just slide back into Lost. And uh, with that, Let's just jump right into the Wikipedia summary for the hunting party. In flashbacks, Jack Shepard and his father Christian discuss the effectiveness of surgery on an Italian man with a spinal tumor. Christian advises against the surgery. She, uh, the woman and her father read, have read about the miraculous recovery of Jack's wife. They hope that Jack can work another miracle. Jack agrees to operate, despite his father's disapproval. After one long night, Jack re- returns home to his wife Sarah tells him that she has taken a pregnancy test after being late for her period the test is negative later when gabriella the italian woman is in jack's office signing release forms jack warns her of the risks of surgery but she ultimately decides to proceed christian abruptly walks in on them as they share a quiet moment when gabriella leaves christian warns jack about the dangers of getting too close to his patients the surgery is not successful and the italian man dies in the operating table due to heart failure Jack tells his father he, that he will break the news to Gabriella. Christian replies that he has already told the woman and she has left the hospital. Jack finds Gabriella in the parking lot crying over her father's death. He tries to console her and the two end up kissing. Jack pulls away and leaves, telling Gabriella that he can't. At home, Jack confesses to his wife that he kissed another woman but promises that he will change. As he holds her, Sarah pulls away and tells Jack. But she has met someone else and she is leaving him the thing's already packed you always need something to fix she says before she leaves on the island jack discovers Locke, who's unconscious in the hat hatches gun cash soon after michael enters with rifle drawn and pointed at jack announcing he is going to the jungle to retrieve his son walt who has been taken by the others jack tries to reason with michael and volunteers to assist michael in the task However, Michael refuses to listen, telling Jack that he must go alone. Jack backs down, and Michael leaves after locking Jack and Locke in the gun closet. After being freed by Kate and Sawyer, who show up to get Sawyer's bandages changed, Jack intends to go after Michael. Locke and Sawyer volunteer to accompany him, but Jack refuses Kate's request to come as well, explaining that she must stay and take care of the button. During the search for Michael, Locke reveals that he is aware of Sawyer's uh, real name, James Ford, since Hurley had given him the passenger manifest. Locke asks Sawyer why he chose that name, but Sawyer refuses to answer. At that moment, gunshots are heard. Jack, Sawyer, and Locke continue hiking toward the source of the shots. That night, while Jack and Locke argue about whether to turn back or keep searching, they are met by the bearded boat captain who kidnapped Walt in Exodus. The man calls them by name and apparently knows personal details about them. He tells them Walt is fine and that Michael will not find him. The man adds, this is not your island, this is our island. He tells them to leave their weapons and go back and that the others will leave them in peace. Jack refuses, believing the man is bluffing and that there aren't as many others. The man calls to his unseen companions and a dozen torches suddenly ignite surrounding Jack and his fellow castaways bearded man calls for alex to quote bring her out a bound and gag kate is brought out and the man puts a gun to her neck it is revealed that kate was captured as she secretly trailed jack sawyer and Locke. faced with a difficult decision jack relents and lays his weapon down Locke and sawyer follow kate is let go and sawyer removes the gag from her mouth and unties her and the others leave threatening to return if the castaways cross the line Sawyer tells the bearded man that the business between them isn't over. Castaways return to the beach, having lost out to the others. And with that, let's now get into my thoughts about the episode. It really was wonderful to see uh, this episode start with Christian Shepard. He really is just always such an enjoyable uh, presence in the show. Uh, also, the idea of a tumor on the spine, uh, w- which is what uh, afflicts the Italian man. Isn't that what ails Ben as well? Um... Certainly we don't know it upon first viewing uh, at this point uh, in the show, but uh, certainly the, uh, the growth is there, um, as we'll learn in season three. Um, I just found that slightly ironic, considering that this is uh, absolutely an other Z-type episode, uh, even though we don't see uh, Tom Friendly, aka Zeke, aka Beardy, uh, for, uh, well, to the second half of the episode um also too, the uh the flashback that the episode opens with it's an effective if slightly cliched opening will you try and make a miracle dr jack uh as i say a little cliched but but not bad by the way when the episode uh uh originally aired much was made by particularly by the loony fringe uh of of these x-rays being from 16 november 2005 um, and what does this mean? Uh, sometimes a cigar is just a cigar, given that uh, the, uh, the x-rays are also from St. Francis Medical Center West, which is in Hawaii. And the episode appears to uh, have been shot at some point in November 2005. So as I say, sometimes a cigar is just a cigar, and here we just simply have a case of uh, they got a hold of some x-rays, legit or otherwise, from a Hawaii hospital. Uh, when the show comes back uh, on island, um, that's when it really becomes just a fantastic, fantastic teaser act. Uh, Jack awakens to find Lock gone, then he finds Lock in the gun closet, then you have a maniacal Michael pointing a gun at the, the two of them, declaring that he's off to find his son, that it's a father's right. Um, you know, it's, it's a high-energy start to the episode. It's showing that there's some actual movement to the plot, right? Right. Oftentimes, Lost is criticized for being, um, you know, uh, coming up with these things to to delay us. But here we have him actually moving on the Walt front. And and the teaser act ends with two guys locked in a room that they can't get out of. Uh, Certainly solid indeed. Uh, With that, the show goes to the title card. Um, and, uh, after that, there's a confirmation of just how impossible it is to get out, uh, that the air vent is locked shut. Locke had thought ahead of this. Um, and the scene ends with the hope that Sawyer will go, uh, back, or will come back to the hatch, uh, to get his bandages changed. And this is the hope upon which everything is, uh, is hinged upon. And with that, we cut to Sleeping Sawyer. Who kind of then lazes about with Kate, flirting and smoldering, and you know, it's it's this wonderful kind of uh, you know stuck in molasses uh, pace that they then take. Um, it's a the, the scene between Sawyer and Kate. It's a great internal scene, um, and it's also, of course, an intentional play against the tension of the plot as a whole. We want them to get to the hatch. We want you know motion here in the in the episode. And, you know, I appreciate, too, that they didn't delay the Hatch countdown dilemma too much. The central tension of the episode is Michael. It's not two guys caught in the closet. You know what I mean. Um, anyhow, back to the flashback. Um, it's standard enough that you have Super Jack, confident, but not overly promising, uh, about the prospects of the Italian man. Um... Was it bad that I was busy watching the completely stunning Italian daughter for many of these scenes? Um, perhaps Jack was too, since he does uh, admit uh, to being unaware that it was 4.30 in the morning. Um, and certainly as things progress in the episode, Jack's attraction for her is uh, is noticed. Um, anyhow, when Jack gets home, there's some excellent, excellent camera work. He comes into the bedroom, and in a single shot, we see Jack's wife, Sarah, facing the camera awake. Was she up all night? Was she woken by her husband coming home in the dawn light? Uh, was she sleeping lightly because she was concerned about her slowly disintegrating marriage? All of these questions are on actress Julie Bowen's face. Uh, it doesn't need to be said. It's just there. There's um, there really is, There's some wonderful acting from Julie Bowen and from Matthew Fox in these flashbacks, um, kind of, you know, above the average of Lost, and the average acting in Lost is still quite good. Um, the scene also gives us that tidbit that she thought she was pregnant, but don't worry, she says, it was negative. Uh, rather damning uh, words against, uh, against uh, Jack there. Um, anyhow, back on the island, Jack, Locke, Sawyer, and Kate are off to find Michael, uh, but Jack, of course, sends Kate back to the kitchen, I, I mean, the button, um, for a thrilling button-pushing duty while manly mans go out and save the day, that's, that's just good enough for Kate, um, you know, I mean, I, on the one hand, I suppose there is a bit of a gender inequity argument to make, um, certainly it's something that we've discussed in the past regarding, um, How some of the female characters, the Clares and Sons of the World, uh, you know, kind of sit at home and worry about womanly things, babies and gardens, uh, while, uh, you know, others go out and save the day. Here, though, in retrospect, having watched the whole episode, as I know you have, uh, and if you haven't, go back and watch the entire episode, then go back and watch the entire series, uh, you know, (laughs) anyhow... um, it is a bit of a mechanism here, uh, Kate being captured. What is it later in the episode that stops the standoff between Jack and company and uh, Mr. Friendly and company? It's that, you know, Kate is in the possession of the others and that's the trade off. So it is a bit manufactured to, to um, you know, it's kind of manufactured tension, even though, to be fair, There are overtones in the episode of Jack is sending Kate back because he's concerned about her, because they shared that kiss, because he's starting to to develop feelings for her. Um, And I suppose that's even echoed in um, the flashback and Jack's relationship with women, his concern that turns into a smooch with uh, Gabriella. Uh, His uh, disintegrating marriage it is you know, there's kind of a, a theme of you know, Jack and his women So it's not entirely gimmicky. I'm just pointing out that the dramatic function is you need to Move the Kate piece along so that she gets captured so that you don't have the big others showdown that you just get enough of a tidbit to to be reminded of the power of the others and then and then back you go Um With that, we return to the beach, and we see Sun and Jin. Remember them? That Korean couple. They're still on the show, as it turns out. Um, There's some fun interplay concerning Sun nagging Jin to wear a hat, rather amusingly. Uh, It turns a bit Mother Hennish when Sun doesn't immediately translate Hurley's news that Michael has left. Uh, It continues when Sun plays the You left me once already, I'm your wife, you must stay card. And I don't mean that, you know, dismissively. Um, I mean, in fact, it's nice to see how far the the women's lib son has come in 30-plus episodes. You know, you go, girl, you tell him, that kind of thing. Um, certainly, it's nice to see the, the interplay uh, between the two of them um, and the parody that they have reached. Um, when the camera returns to Sawyer, uh, Jack and Locke. There's a nice moment, by the way, where Locke throws a large water bottle to a half-unaware Sawyer, who then catches it one-handed. It's a real moment of what manly men do whilst on their manly man hunt. And uh, it's not all just manly man stuff. They also have a uh, a philosophical debate.
1: Trails as straight as the interstate. The path of a man who knows where he's going. Where are you going, Jack? Jack. Well, let's say we catch up with him. Michael, what are you gonna do? I'm gonna bring him back. What if he didn't want to come back? (laughs) I'll talk him into coming back. (laughs) This is the second time he's gone after Walt. He knocked me out. He locked us both up. Something tells me he might be past listening to reason. What, you Mm -hmm. think we should just let him go? Write him off? Who are we to tell anyone what they can or can't do?
0: It certainly is familiar territory this debate um you know it's it's shades of man of science man of faith it's shades of self-determination self-rule uh welcome to the wild uh, you know all of this um still i appreciate it though i mean uh, you know i mean there is there is an argument to be made that you know no one appointed jack leader uh if michael wants to run off um maybe there's a debate about whether taking a gun is appropriate, uh, you know, taking a gun from the group and all that. But, you know, if he wants to go off and get himself killed, does he have a right to do that? Um, I'm kind of inclined to say yes. Uh, I mean, surprise, surprise. I mean, you know, I'm taking Locke's side here uh, over Jack. Jack, who, by the way, in the flashback, let's see, he's wrong about um, wrong about saving the Italian man. He's wrong about his marriage and that he's not spending enough time with it uh you know c- caring for the marriage caring for his wife uh when he does decide that he's he's really willing to make an effort uh, he's wrong about that because his marriage is over because the wife already has her bags packed and uh and all that so yeah surprise surprise i'm taking lock side um anyhow in the uh after that clip we go to uh flashback again and jack advises bella caliente that it's uh not too late to go back he means uh, turn back the plan to operate on her terminally ill father of course but uh i got a kick out of the sound you know it's sounding like the we have to go back kate we have to go back quote that ends season three Um, and for some reason, despite Bella Caliente's screen presence, uh, the whole cancer operation story, it just feels a little dry. I mean, yes, it's kind of setting up things at, at home. Um, and maybe that's, you know, maybe it's another bit of the story too, where you can see the structure to it. Why is Gabriella smolderingly beautiful enough to, you know, have uh, Jack fall off the marriage wagon enough to, to give her a kiss? Um well, that's just so he can go home and confess it uh, to be at his lowest low so that we can then only have Sarah, you know, hit him while he's down and say, I've met someone, and you know, which we'll discuss properly when we get there. But there's a certain, it's a good episode. It's great when you include the part about the others that we'll be discussing in a bit. It's just some of the joints to the episode are creaky. It's not a creaky house. It just has some creaky corners here and there. Um, and as I was saying, such as this cancer operation story. It's super Jack getting ready to operate the impossible case. You know, we know he saved Sarah, but you know, so what? If if he does it again, we'll be impressed. If he doesn't do it again, well, you know, even great doctors strike out now and then. Um, there is though. There's a wonderful little nugget after Christian uh, tells Jack in so many words to avoid getting too close to the Italian woman. Careful.
1: There's a line, son. You know it's there. Pretending it's not, that would be a mistake. guess you would know. It may be okay for some people, Jack, but not for you.
0: If you don't think Lost, you know, had at least some sort of semblance of a plan or a sense of where it was going, there you go. I mean, that that bit of dialogue just screams out, uh, I mean, of so much. We're going to learn in, in coming uh, coming seasons of, uh, you know, this second life that Christian had. Why did he go to uh, to Sydney? Uh the woman that he had a daughter with, his daughter, his daughter being Claire, uh, you know, all of this, we just get the least little hint that, you know, Jack knows Christian's been screwing around. And I love Christian's, um, I mean, he doesn't quite dismiss his own actions. He's just saying, I mean, it's almost Christian's dialogue there. It's almost an enviable um, self-reflection. Now, obviously, the fact that he's screwing around on his wife and he's, you know, not a great father... That's not enviable, but he's reflecting on himself and saying how weak and fallible he is and saying, you, son, are not like that. You're superior to me in your character, Uh, so my mistakes should not be your mistakes. My mistakes should not be an excuse for you to make mistakes, Um, and it's just wonderful. And what's that mistake? That mistake is the pregnant woman that Jack has been caring for since moments after the crash, so uh, just a, a fun little moment there. Uh, anyhow, we head back to the island for a bit uh, with shots being fired, three by Michael, four by the mysterious others, uh, and then we pop back to Jack's flashback. Uh, it starts with him punching the locker saying, I had it. How subtle, we get it, the surgery failed. Um, the scene after that, it's touching and effective though. Bella Caliente, who of course uh, only gets the name Gabriella past the halfway mark. She's grief stricken at the, at the death of her father, but also thankful for Jack's efforts nonetheless. Uh, Throw in little mistaken emotions uh, and a kiss between doctor and patient, uh, and it's a fun scene. We then find ourselves uh, in the jungle at night, and uh, it certainly appears to just, you know, have us in the middle of some boring Jack-wants-the-impossible and Locke is being practical scene, uh, but very quickly, it is not that.
1: Don't turn around on me, John. You're not going to get him to come back, and you know it. You know what happens if we just turn around and go back? We're never going to see him again. And that's going to be on us. On you. And on me. You're exactly right, Jack. But if I were you, I'd listen to Mr. Locke.
0: The close-up on Mr. Friendly right before the act break is just fantastic. There's just enough light for the reflection of his eyes to pierce back into the darkness. Uh, really is just a wonderful uh, wonderful shot. And uh, particularly on HD on a, on a larger TV, there's just those little pinpoints of light that really uh, really kind of sell the uh, the ominousness of the moment. Uh, with that, we then go to commercial. Uh, because of course, this is the most tense point. Um, and, uh, we actually come back after the, the act break, uh, and luckily there's a bit more with Mr. Friendly, but then, still amidst all this tension, we break to Hurley and Charlie listening to old records, including the famous drama, Mo Jackson, uh, then they're talking about how Hurley likes Libby, and Claire misses, or Charlie misses Claire, uh, and of course it's just this classic moment of Lost making you, um, Know, feel tense about one part of the story, and then they're kind of not quite padding it out, but certainly um, doing character development somewhere else. While you're most concerned about uh, you know about the goings on with uh, you know in the jungle. Uh, with uh, with that, Saeed enters the uh, enters the hatch, uh, and there's a great but somewhat subtle point. Saeed needs to be retold what is going on. And Hurley underscores that Michael ran away. Jack and Locke and Sawyer went after him. Oh, he adds, and Kate too. Uh, upon first viewing, you might say, wait, Kate too? Uh, she's not with Locke and company, you know, which we've seen, uh, and she's not in the hatch. So, you know, what's up with that? It's a lovely little bit of foreshadowing that, you know, obviously Kate is not where she's supposed to be. And, uh, well, it's going to pay off quite shortly when, uh, when she's brought out by Mr. Friendly and company. Uh, and with that, we head back to Mr. Friendly. Let
1: me ask you this. How long have you been here on the island? Fifty days. Ooh, fifty days. That's what, almost two whole months. Tell me, you go over a man's house for the first time. Do you take off your shoes? You put your feet up on his coffee table. You walk in the kitchen, eat food that doesn't belong to you. Open the door to rooms, you got no business opening. You know somebody a whole lot smarter than anybody here once said that since the dawn of our species, man's been blessed with curiosity. You know the other one about curiosity, don't you, Jack? This is not your island. This is our island. And the only reason you're living on it is because we let you live on it.
0: It's one heck of a monologue, uh, which of course is broken by Jack, who is ever wrong. I don't believe you.
1: You don't believe what? I think you got one guy up there with a gun. I think there's more of us than there are of you. I think if you had any real strength, you wouldn't have had to send a spy. Ethan. It's an interesting theory. But him up! We got a misunderstanding, Jack. Your people, my people. So listen carefully. Right here. There's a line. You cross that line, we go from misunderstanding to something else.
0: Um, there is, of course, also one last lovely tidbit once Kate is brought out. Who brings her out? Alex. Uh, upon first viewing, I really, truly missed that. I didn't make that connection. And I look back now, how could I have missed that? It, you know, It's meant to be one of these... Um, you know, great moments where you just kind of, especially for, you know, we, the, the dedicated viewers, where uh, you just kind of sit up and go, wait a minute, Alex, that's, you know, Rousseau had an Alex. Um, and you notice, too, the way that they shoot it, there's, whoever this Alex is, upon first viewing, you don't see anything more than maybe an arm bringing, bringing Kate out, Um the, whoever it is playing Alex, certainly it's not the, the actress who would go on to play her. Um, they're very careful of keeping him or her completely out of frame um, so as not to spoil anything. I mean, I suspect at this point they probably uh, had enough of an inkling to have called the character Alex to have us assume that that's uh, a boy uh, I had discussed oh back, uh, back in that Saeed episode where... Um, where Alex is, the notion of Alex is introduced to us, the fact that Rousseau had a child. Um, and Saeed, uh, I believe, makes reference to, uh, you know, saying something like, oh, they took your son. And um, Rousseau kind of gives him a bit of a strange look, which at the time I said, that's Rousseau starting to question whether he really is an other because why wouldn't other make a mistake like that when the others know that Alex is a girl? So, uh, you know, it's... Anyhow, back to this episode. It's just layered in very, very wonderfully, and um, it's 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 just in there so well. Um, and uh, well, with that, let's move on. There's there's one last tag for the future. Sawyer affirming that uh, you and me ain't done, Zeke. And you know, back in two thousand five, two thousand six. How long did we go calling him Zeke anyway? Probably for a year or two. Um, It certainly is more official than Mr. Friendly, which is a name that I believe originated out of uh, the casting sheet, uh, which of course one needn't trust most of the time, especially for such a secretive show. But um, they went with it, and certainly, I don't know, it's so interesting how we we all initially went hook, line, and sinker for uh, the notion that the others were these hillbillies, these crazy people. These mountain men and women, um, whereas of course we know now it's just an act perpetuated with uh, stage makeup and uh, and uh, you know glue and this sort of thing. Um, and certainly the uh, you know when you see the others in Othersville in their uh, you know in their kind of prim and proper community, um, it's a shocking juxtaposition to be sure. Um, after uh, anyhow. After all the tensions and an act break, we return to Sun and Jin, and Jin doesn't like being told what to do. Sun goes toe to toe and reminds him that she didn't like it for four years either. Game set match. Jin understands her a bit better. Uh, it's, a, it's a nice scene. There's these nice little bits of character development in this episode that uh, certainly do not advance the overall plot. The plot of um, Jack and Company. Uh, going into the woods to try and find Michael, but the character shading that does go on in the B storyline or storylines, it's, uh, it's nice indeed. The, um, moving on, the flashback gets wrapped up in its final scene. I love how coolly domestic Sarah is, despite the fact that she really is on her way out of the marriage. Um, it, it's excellent acting. As, as I said before, it's excellent acting out of Julie Bowen playing Sarah. Um, but anyhow, uh, there's the the comment, uh, that Jack and Sarah don't even talk anymore. Anyhow, I love that somehow the show demonstrates that, that they're not talking. Um, but they don't, the show doesn't do it without having silent moments without dialogue. It's just, I mean, it's really an excellent job. They communicate this marriage, which clearly is falling apart without showing fighting, without showing silence, without showing frowns. Um, it's just done in this kind of, they're turning the color down, they're turning the heat down, and it's uh, its communicated effortlessly and wonderfully. Uh, then, of course, too, speaking of marriage, there's the added irony that Jack declares he's going to fix his marriage. Work less, talk more, love better. Only to be told that Sarah is already packed up, ready to go. Only to be told that Jack's emotional mix-up where he briefly kisses Gabriella, which of course is wrong to be sure, but it's not a huge wrong in my book under the circumstances. You know, I'm certainly not condoning it, but... So anyhow, there's this irony on top of irony that uh, Jack's ready to rededicate himself to the marriage, but Sarah's packed up. Jack has had uh, the, the emotional mix-up uh, certainly a, a short-term mistake, regardless of how large the mistake was in kissing Gabriella, only to find out that Sarah has had an ongoing relationship behind Jack's back and one that has now blossomed to this point. Um, as Matthew Fox cries, it, it feels real. It really does. As real as any acting the show has had thus far. Um, and I know that I have kind of used real a couple times here, uh, to describe it, but the authenticity of it really is fantastic. Um, you know, I'm hard on Jack, and, uh, hopefully less so on the actor, but this is fantastic acting out of Matthew Fox. Anyhow, back at the beach, we check in with Claire, who's happy to be away from Charlie, we check in with Charlie, who's sad without Claire, we check in with Anna Lucia, who's settling in with new friends, insofar that Vincent is a friend, and then, uh, Checking in with Ana Lucia, we got one final zinger from Jack.
1: Say he tells me that you're a cop. I was a cop. Can I ask you something? Shoot. How long do you think it would take to train an army?
0: It's a good singer, to be sure, but one that really ultimately doesn't pay out, unfortunately. Where's the giant army? Where's the pushback? It's a rare moment in Lost that works better the first time. Um, I don't know if this was just something, you know, a a direction that they abandoned, but um, c'est la vie, c'est la vie. And uh, with that, the episode has ended, but of course the podcast has not. Let's take a look at Lostpedia to see what little bits and pieces I've missed. Buffspedia says that the events from this episode are revisited from Michael's perspective in the episode three minutes, uh, which certainly is a neat episode to watch because we do well, we do see it from another perspective. Buspedia also says this is the last time Harold Perrineau, who plays Michael, uh, appears for eight episodes. They also say that while Kate is being held by Tom Friendly, he presses a gun into Kate's neck, and you hear the cocking sound of an external gun hammer by the thumb of the hand gripping the weapon. This is not possible, says Lostpedia, as his gun is a German Luger P08 pistol, and they do not have external hammers, and as such require two hands to cock the slide. So, I will say this much, it looked like a German Luger to me, and I don't really know anything about guns, I'm not a gun person, but based on World War II movies, it looked like a, a German gun, so there we go. Let's now look ahead to next week. Next week's episode is 212 Fire and Water. Is that Fire Plus Water? Hmm. We'll call that Fire and Water. A reminder as well that new episodes launch the website, iTunes, and the Lost Podcasting Network on Mondays. And certainly you are welcome to share your feedback, and there's tons of ways to do it. You can call the voice message line at 732-707-1815. You also can say hello to me on Twitter, where I'm looking back lost. You can send an email to lookingbackatlost at gmail.com. And last but not least, you can always visit the webpage, lookingbackatlost.podbean.com. And uh, the real last but not least, you can always find the show on iTunes where reviews are always appreciated. So thank you very, very much for listening. It's been fantastic, as always, to get together with you. And I will see you all again next week for 212 Fire and Water. Take care and bye-bye.